of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, fellow Skywatchers from all parts of the globe. We're back live on air once again on this beautiful April 2nd or April 1st, wherever you might be around the globe, this beautiful 2014. Broadcasting live from New Logic Studios right here in Miami, Florida. I am, of course, Angel, the host, and joined every week by my co-host, Mr. Alan Weiler. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing an amazingly amazing uh, day here. I avoided every single practical joke that was out there, so please don't play one on me. And what's also nice about avoiding all that, I've actually got some real news, not smoking mirrors, that we're going to talk about tonight. Real good stuff. In fact, not only are we going to bring up some really cool factual news, not the April Fool's variety, even though we do have one story that deals with April Fool's. But we have a really cool guest tonight. We have Mr. Kevin D. Randall who's going to join us in the half-hour mark after the first break, and that's going to be awesome. I love Kevin D. Randall. I had him on once before a long time ago, Alan, and a really, really cool guy, fun guy to talk to. And, uh, you know, he's a real serious dude. He's been, you know, to war twice, but he has an awesome sense of humor. I think the audience is really going to love him. And uh, I want to thank everybody who's listening in. I know we have a huge audience listening in. Thank you for carrying over from the last show. Hopefully you carry over to the next show, and you keep listening on both Dark Matter Radio Network and on uh, PSN radio and uh alan are you excited to talk to uh kevin d randall tonight uh, as a matter of fact i've got some questions i'm gonna poke and prod him with absolutely yes uh, i'm sure he'll discuss his book uh that he's got as well as some other situations and information he may be privy to but we normally aren't and i'm hoping to drag it out of him well you you know you are the bad cop i'm the good cop so badgers we don't need no stinking badgers so, you know, you could, you know, I don't know, if, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to play bad cop with Kevin D. Randall, though, let me tell you. No, 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 he's a well-spoken gentleman, uh, and uh, yeah. I think he's got some more information, and he knows where the bodies are, and he knows how to make bodies. He knows how to kill a man in many more ways than we do. Yes, absolutely. That. I've heard Inclu- he even knows how to kill, kill people with a butter knife, too. Yeah, he does. Now, if people don't know who we're talking about here, and shame on you for not knowing who Kevin D. Randall is and calling yourself ufology fans, or you, you know, ufologist enthusiast, but Kevin D. Randall is a retired lieutenant colonel who served in Vietnam as well as in the Iraq War. So he first served one. in two wars. The first one, right. Uh, he served as a battalion intelligence officer in the Iraq War, and he was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Now, he began writing uh, for UFO magazines and eventually moved on to books, a goal he had uh, to publish uh, science fiction uh, novels and stuff, and to join the uh, Science Fiction Writers of America. Uh, that was his, one of his main goals in life, and he achieved, he achieved it. He's also appeared in countless radio and television programs, uh, like my show, 
in the past, right. in the mid-1990s and 2000s, and he continues to uh, appear on shows. He even hosted his own show for a while on KTSM Radio in El Paso, Texas. Now, to prove that he hasn't been stuck in a rut, uh, he has written books about UFOs, science fiction, action adventures, and even vampire novels, and he uh, cleverly called them Vampire with a Y. <laughs> like, like Alan with a Y. Now, right. here's an interesting question Alan. that I actually have. Yes, you're right. I know exactly how to spell my name. Okay, here's an interesting right. question that I'm going to throw out. How many people actually that were or are in the military are actively pursuing the UFO disclosure agenda? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, we should definitely ask uh, Kevin that. I think he might uh, have a good you answer want, for that. You might want to jot that down. I don't have a pen anywhere yeah, near me. I want, I'll, I'll write that down in a note here somewhere. I'll tell Petey, my board man, to write that down. Petey, write that down. Okay, good. Uh, no, that's actually a, an excellent question. You know, it's funny because a lot of uh, astronauts have come forward in the last uh, 30 years. Not a lot, but a few astronauts have come forward in the last 30 well, years. Well, that's but... astronauts actually admitting to knowing something. But I'm right. saying those that are active in the community, community like Corso was. Right. Like uh, the guy who did Behold the Pale Horse. I forgot his William name. Cooper. William Thank Cooper. you, Cooper. Yeah. Um, Marcel. Um, I mean, how many, uh, you know, it, it, it seems like the list is getting larger and larger of those people that are in the military or military or in the government structure in one shape or form or another that, you know, whether it's our military, by the way, or our government or other world governments, that there are more people involved in uh, the UFO thing than normal people, muggles. Well, I mean, have you been keeping up with the citizens' uh, hearing? Yeah. With Steve Bassett? I mean, look at all the people he's brought out over the last couple of decades. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of people that have come forward, and it's, it, that, that's part of the, I think, you know, that in the bigger picture, I think will be part of the disclosure movement, really, is the uh, people that do come out that have government ties. Uh, that way the government doesn't officially have to come out. You could just let individuals which, within the government come out with their uh, their encounters or their stories to kind of give it that, that legit feel, you know? It's like, who do we have to kill to actually get real disclosure? That's what I want to know. Which government needs to topple over, or how do we get the landing lights so we get right on the front lawn of someplace? I, I, I want to see, see UFO land right on the roof of the United Nations like they did in the TV show V. I want to see that happen so everybody has to deal with it. Nobody can deny it. Yeah, but what if what comes out is something more like uh, aliens from Alien? Um, then they really didn't know how to fly because obviously those guys have no self-control. You know, that's a good question. How do they fly, sh you know, the ships? I mean, do they ever fly ships or are they just infected people's ships? And I don't know. We'll find out when the Prometheus movie comes out. Can't wait to see that, by the way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's actually rather interesting. Who knows where that plot line's going to go this time? Oh, uh, no kidding. Uh, moving on to a couple uh, news items that we do have here, uh, and we should articles point out that are real interesting. News articles. Real news, even though one does deal with April Fool's, and I want to start with that. Uh, it says here, Virgin's UFO prank. It, it actually says Virgin's. Yeah, not Virgin. Is it Virgin Airlines? Or is it a Virgin who just was so geeky enough that they had no other choice but to do this? 
We'll, we'll, we'll find out in a second here, but it says, Virgin's okay. UFO prank frightens police officers on April Fool's Day in 1989. Now, this is a blast from the past, sort of, uh, April Fool's report, but one that you might have never heard of. Uh, it says here, one of the most elaborate UFO pranks ever staged was on April Fool's Day, like we're on now, but it was in 1989 over London. Uh, Virgin, the famous venture capitalist uh, conglomerate, is also known as uh, its April Foolery. And uh, mastermind behind their pranks is Virgin founder Sir Richard Branson. Ah, Virgin, the, you know, Virgin Records. Virgin yeah, Omega. okay, yeah. Yeah, I Virgin. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the mission to fly a UFO over London began uh, as a top-secret project codenamed Project Wedgwood. Sounds like Doctor Who stuff. Project <laughs> Wedgwood. Wedgwood, uh, Torchwood, it's all the same thing. Right. Cameron Balloons, uh, says here, uh, Cameron Balloons Limited in the uh, town of Bristol, a bit less than two hours away from London by car, was uh, commissioned to build a massive UFO hot air balloon fully uh, kitted out of uh, strobe lights. And uh, this is pretty funny stuff. I mean, it, you can tell it's a, it's a balloon, but from far away, I bet you this fooled everybody, especially in 1989. Mm-hmm. Positive folder, everybody. Oh yeah, As there was what... no CGI there. You actually had to use real physical props. Yeah, exactly. Now, as to what happened next, uh, Branson detailed the execution of the prank in uh, in a blog on World UFO Day, July second, in twenty thirteen. Branson said that uh, they took off in the balloon at approximately at uh, four a.m. The strobe lights uh, blinking every ten seconds. By the time the first light of dusk could be seen and they had uh, reached the uh, M25, a major motorway leading into London. Uh, yeah, Branson writes, you know, you've, you've been to London, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have. Oh. Yeah, I've never been to London. Oh, Lucky. it's a jolly good time there, let me tell you. Lucky. Do they have phone booths like in uh, Doctor Who? No, they don't no. have any uh, police boxes really anymore. Um, Damn it. You know. That would be so cool. Anyway, Branson writes, uh, we could see every single vehicle uh, grinding into a halt and hundreds of people looking up at the UFO flying over them. And there's a couple of photos on here. Really cool stuff. I mean, uh, this is the, one of the biggest pranks ever. And kind of a rich dude. You know, if he's got, you know, money buys you He's got money. Money buys you Yeah. He's got, he's got that money. He could pull this uh, prank off. And this is actually a very cool prank. You know how many people probably freaked out when this was flying over them? I mean, hundreds of people must have been just freaking out at the sight of this thing if they didn't know what was going on. I bet you you're right, but unfortunately, we don't have anybody calling in to actually say they were there and they freaked out. So if you guys do want to oh, call what are in... Chan- what are the chances that somebody was there when this happened? But hey, if you do want to call in, we do have open lines. Uh, 786-245-8127 is the number. You can look us up on Skype also by looking up PSN Radio. We definitely want to have callers call in when we have uh, Mr. Randall on the line because, you know, he's awesome to talk to, and I'm sure you... Folks out there have some questions for him, so please feel free to call in. Again, 786-245-8127. Now, I am posting the uh, article that we just read on the uh, Facebook page. If you guys want to see the article, if you want to see the UFO hot air balloon thingy that Mr. Branson made, it's on there. It's on uh, facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. All one word, Skywatchers Radio. And uh, it's posted right now, so go over there and take a look at it. Um, Alan, that's a cool story. I mean, but again, how many people do you honestly think that fooled? Hundreds, right? I mean, everybody oh, back then would have been I'm, fooled by that. I'm sure. It got I would have been I would have been on the phone with, like, all my friends. Oh, my God, I just saw a UFO. 
Uh, that is... Don't forget, it's 1989. You know how big yeah. your phone was in your car? Well, I wouldn't be talking in my car. I'd run inside the house. First of all, I'd be running inside the house. So then I'd be locked in my closet because I'd be so scared the aliens are coming in to kill us with my phone. And I'm talking about a house phone. I know probably most people listening are like, what's a house phone? Landline? What is that? Everybody has cell phones now, right? But I'll have my landline dragged into the closet with the cord hanging out the door, locked in there, <laughs> covered in sheets and all kinds of toys and just, you know, something just to protect me with my my Thundercats sword that I used to have back in the day. I would just be there just really just crying for help and, and on the phone saying, I saw this ship and there were aliens and they're coming. I would just be freaking out, man. But it would be so cool of an experience. I'd, you know, that's a good, that's a good, that's an excellent thank April you, Fool's Thank joke. you for that visual of you cowering in your closet, you know. Finally, afterwards, you've come out of the closet and everything's okay now. So Wow, you really have to go there, huh? <laughs> as soon as I said that, I, I knew his mind was thinking something about, you know, coming out of the closet. I knew that was coming. I knew that but, was. Dude, you just left yourself for me to go to the gutter. gutter. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. That's you dirty-minded individual. Okay, we're not saying that that's your preference. We're just saying. Hey, I'm that. just moving on, man, because there's no way to win that story. You know that that argument. There's no you way to win it. You can't dig yourself out of that. Can't no, you, you know? really can't. No, because look, if I say I'm, I was never in the closet, then you're like, "Well, you're always gay." No, that's not. No. <laughs> so there's really no way to win this, and uh, no, I'm not gay. So you know, let's just move on, man. Mo- moving on. All right, but there's nothing wrong with it with those of you that are. You know. <laughs> no, nothing wrong Absolutely. with it. No, hey, nothing. Your preference is your preference. Exactly. Alan here knows. Anyway, moving on. You're now, right. You're done. No, I, I, well, I'm not even into <laughs> what my girlfriend is like. You know the joke, sticks and stones may break my bones, but whips and chains excite me. But yeah, anyway. That's true. They, they really do excite him, but anyway. Yes, moving yes. on. And, on uh, there's, a, there's another link I sent you, Alan. There are uh, an army in school. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this. Mirror. Army in school as... Well, let me read the article first, man. This is uh, an alien egg unearthed. Now, of course, this is uh It's an Easter on... egg that was left there from decades ago, most likely. Well, it, it, you know, when this was posted, I mean, come on, let's look at the posting date on this thing. Yeah, it's on April 1st. Come on! Right. I mean, school is in that Wheaton Primary School, uh, where by the military medics as they discovered a bizarre giant egg on their school grounds. Um, yeah, I'm reading this, and I'm like... What is it? The soldiers were more than happy to help the youngsters at school uh, in the Wheaton, in Wheaton Army, Barracks. Army Barracks. Yeah, where the heck is Wheaton Army Barracks? Uh, Wheaton is in the UK, actually. Okay. See, I know this because, as I said earlier, you've been, been there. there. Yeah. yeah. You travel. Uh, you're a traveler. Now, here's what's really interesting: teachers have used the eggs' appearance to make math and science classes fun, uh, as well as encouraging youngsters to write about discovery. Now, can you explain to me how math and eggs work? I'm just trying to understand that is this the common well if you have two eggs that's one plus you know two eggs one plus one that's two yeah you know there you go that's math all right fine. four eggs that's you know one two three four that's math all right yeah i'm calling trade some eggs i'll be like i give you my two little eggs for your one big egg yeah okay Uh, again i'm calling bat squatch and for those of you who don't know what Bat Squatch is, you can actually look it up on the, our own website. We should eventually get around to creating a wiki on Bat Squatch. Um, <laughs> we should. But we definitely should. Bat Squatch is our, our term for something that we really, 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 no matter how hard we look at it, we really, really, really don't believe in. We want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but when something sounds that far out there, we call Bat Squatch because it doesn't exist. 
So you're calling Bat Squatch on this story then? Yeah, I'm Army, definitely calling Bat Squatch on this story. Alien egg unearthed. Well, yeah. I'm going to post it over on the uh, the Facebook page again, so if, uh, people want to check out the article. I didn't even get to read it because you know you read part of it, and it's, yeah, yeah. It I'll, I'll tell you, if a face hugger popped out and we actually have like the like Giger aliens, you know, because of it, that would be a cool thing. Because some of these that kids would be a cool thing, yeah. need to have something launch onto their faces so they shut up from screaming. I'm sorry, was that too extreme? That was a little extreme, yeah. Okay, sorry, folks. Yeah. Now, oh, oh, by the way, I just wanted to also get this uh, to our listeners. If you, you know, if you guys, since you are listening, and I know there's a lot of people listening, since it is April Fools, you know, even though we we don't really like to cover a lot of April April Fool stuff, but I just thought of you know, this right now. If you guys have pulled a prank on anybody, you know, that has to do with aliens or UFOs or anything like that, please call us and let us know. We would love to hear your story. Uh, if you've uh, pranked your dad, your mom, your friend, your cousin, your sister, your nephew, your former roommate's grandson, whatever, whoever it was, call us and tell us a story, especially if it's alien-related. Oh, I did a really, really evil one. Oh, please tell. Um, it, it, it was it was sort of alien related, but it's not really alien related. It was a friend of mine who crossed the border, so that's where you get the alien part. And uh, he was sleeping in the middle of the night, and me and my girlfriend thought it would be funny to take two flashlights while he's sleeping, sneak up right in front of him while he's sleeping in the bed, turn them on, and scream, "Watch out, truck!" And you know, when he t- opens his eyes, all he sees is the headlights, and he's screaming like crazy. Hmm. That's an evil, evil joke, isn't it? I'm giving you silence on that one. <laughs> By the way, folks, please don't. That's or actually, just wrong. please do try this at home. Absolutely, you must play that practical joke on someone. That's I know some of you are though. laughing out there, but do me a favor, YouTube it so we can post it as you do that to someone. That's, <laughs> That's just wrong, man. That's just wrong. All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on to the next. Uh, All story right, we next have topic. Here. Next topic. By the way, Let's folks, see. if you want to call in and contradict us or give us some better practical jokes to do, please do it. And the number again, Angel, is? 786-245-8127. See, I do it myself, but you know the number so easily by heart. I know exactly how to say it in that sing-songy, please-call-in kind of way. You definitely need to like, you know, learn that number by heart, though, because you know, it'll be nice. That's why you'll say it for once. Not just me on the show. Okay, well, we should actually get every single uh, guest that we interviewed to say it, so that way we can have different guests saying That'd it. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. We can get Kevin D. Randall to say it tonight. Maybe we should. Oh, there we go. You know, I've been trying to get Travis on this show, and I would love to get Travis to uh, oh, God, give us that as a bumper. Huh? Yeah, it's yeah. been a while since I've had I, Travis on. Yeah, it's I don't have spoken to him. He's such a good guy to deal with, though. When I do, actually, it's been a while since I reached out to him. But uh, hopefully, maybe he might be listening, or someone who will abduct him later on is listening and tell him that they heard me mention <laughs> his name. Um, and you know, that would be a good thing. And by the that way, if that be. was too over the top, folks. Please call in again and smack me back down into my place. That's right. And I, the I don't think again Travis. Is, yeah, I don't think Travis would appreciate being abducted again. But the number is seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. Well, call I'll in. tell you this. He might not. I'm not saying he should be abducted by aliens. I'm saying you know, we, you know, we abduct him, we ransom him back. You know, we make a little profit here. You know. Well, I'm sure Travis appreciates that. Um, sure he does. We'll give him a piece of the action. You know, we'll give him a piece of it. You, you know, know, you just probably caused that man, you know, many nights of nightmares right now by mentioning. 
what, even me, the thought what me abducting he, him? No, 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 no. No, just the, I think the term abduction alone probably causes him nightmares. At this no, point. I, come on. No, I, I don't think so. I think he's come to accept it, and you know, it's an unfortunate thing that happened to him. And um, but yet again, it's something that he's been able to communicate to people and get through it with enough therapy and enough people that are talking and accepting of him. And he's actually a more calm, cool, and collective person at this point in his life. Yeah, but I'm sure he doesn't want to get abducted again. No, probably not. Pretty sure about that, Alan. Pretty sure. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm I mean, if you, know, if you know something that, that we don't know, please tell us. No, 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 no. I don't huh? know anything. Oh, okay. I don't well. know anything. But I'll tell you this. Kevin, our special guest for the night, probably does know something about he something might. that he could get around to telling us if we could pry it out of him. Now, Kevin D. Randall has a new book out. Um, it's actually on Amazon. You can check it out right now. It's called The Government UFO Files, The Conspiracy of Cover-Up. Exactly. I'm willing to bet really they cool know book. something we don't know. Yeah, he he definitely knows a lot about cover-ups and conspiracies. So, I mean, I, I am looking forward to having him back on. Like I said, it's been a while since I've, had, since I've interviewed Kevin. And uh, he is just an awesome person to interview. Really funny, uh, you know, really knows his stuff. And again, serious, but yet really funny dude, you know. And I right. think the audience is going to love him. He's been on, um, you know, this network before, and he's been on other uh, networks. And like I said, he's been on many shows. So it's not like people don't know who he is. I'm pretty sure people are familiar with him. Uh, but the book uh, says, and I'm going to read a little syn- a synopsis here of his book before we go on break in a few minutes. It says, yeah, the files of the CIA, the FBI, the FAA, NASA, the Army, Navy, Air Force, and other U.S. government agencies all have documents relating to UFOs, UFO investigations, and UFO activities that have affected their operations. There are 12,000 UFO reports in the Project Blue Book alone. Other files were renamed and reclassified. The Air Force uh, set up a... uh, Says here, set up the Condon Committee to uh, research UFO reports, but disbanded within two years. And uh, what are we to make of the government decades uh, of uh, late acknowledgments on Area 51, by the way? Because, you know, they just recently acknowledged Area 51. Like, really recent. Obama, things like the Obama's yeah, the, the question first is, president. Was Air- to yeah, but hold on. Was Area 51 really the testing ground for stuff that we were developing or stuff that we were back engineering or just a holding facility in a parking lot for everybody, you know, the guys outside of the Earth? That's what I, I think. Know. Honestly, well, well, I, think, here's, I think it's a little bit of all three. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. by the way, speaking of that, did you see the link that I sent you that was in Fox News about this mystery aircraft flying over Texas that they got photos of? Uh, actually, I'm looking at it right now since you mentioned it. I just clicked on the link, and I'm going to post that on our uh, Facebook account. So. Yeah. By the way, this one, folks, was updated on April 1st. This was a couple of days back. I've been hearing about it from a couple of different people in the community. Uh, might be a new test jet that's out there. Or based on the altitude, this might be the famous black triangle that everybody's mm. been hearing about and talking yep. about for God knows how long. Including uh, one Mr. Art Bell himself who uh, saw a, a very similar-shaped object long ago in his yeah, famous but- UFO report. Yeah, but this, by the way, the one that you're looking at was in clear daylight on March 10th of this year. Yeah, I know. It kind of looks like the Batwing from uh, Batman, the first one, 89. Which one? The Nolanite ones or the... No, 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 no. No, no, the the Batman 89. Oh, Batman 89. That was... Was that Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton, yeah. Michael Keaton, yeah. Remember the the Batwing... uh... 
Yeah, I'm going to disagree on that one. Thanks for trying. A little bit. It, a little this bit. is a triangle, okay? Plain and simple. Well, it's close. It's close. Looks nice yeah, there. yeah. Um, now, that, that's a heck of a chemtrail, though. I mean, uh, that's a pretty good-looking chemtrail behind well, it. Well, you look at the exhaust, and you can actually see the pulse jets. I'm thinking it might be something with a scramjet, because mm. if you look further along the photo towards the actual side on the right-hand side, you can actually see pulse waves uh, in the contrail. That's contrail, not chemtrail. Contrail, yeah. Whatever, I'm Cuban. Leave me alone. Now, it says here, it's difficult to determine, but a group of aviation enthusiasts, that's a tough one for me, by the way, say they caught a, a glimpse of a mystery aircraft earlier this month flying uh, slowly across the Ar uh, Amarillo, Texas sky. I can't believe I said that whole thing. Amarillo, uh, Texas sky. Yeah. That's yeah, how you're right, with, w Without the accent, too. Uh, we looked southwest, and uh, it says, uh, there they were, Steve Douglas, a journalist and member of the group, uh, told FoxNews.com, we thought they were B B2s. Uh, but then we studied our pictures and we rolled that out. Dun dun oh. dun! What are they? Hold on, hold on. Do you have that sound clip that goes dun dun dun? No, but I will have that for next week. Okay, I fine. Will. Please do Promise. because I think that's a brilliant thing to have. Dun, I will dun, definitely dun. get on that, guys. We're gonna go on a, on our break for a couple minutes. We'll be back on the other side with Kevin D. Randall, our guest for the evening. Again, open lines. Please call in. Please take advantage of open lines. Real simple. Seven eight six. 245-8127. This is Skywatchers Radio. I'm Angel. That's Alan. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Yeah. You're listening to Dark Matter Radio Network. Free stuff for you just for listening to this station. Yeah, we got your attention. Here's how it works. You click on the radio loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then you keep on listening like you already do. But now you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for cool stuff in the radio loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the new player's app store. Pretty simple. Free stuff just for doing what you already do. Radio loyalty. Click the banner to join now. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ballin' Street? Girlin' Street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Look, up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com 
put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. everybody we're back on Skywatchers radio live again on the uh, dark matter radio network and on psn radio and i want to thank our guest of the evening mr kevin d randall for sticking with us during the long break there and kevin welcome to Skywatchers, my friend it's been a while since we had you on or i've had you on the air and it's a pleasure to have you on here with uh, the dark matter radio network listeners listening in tonight how are you doing this evening sir i'm doing fine and i'm glad to be back Oh, man, it's, it's been just a pleasure to have you on. We were talking about your book a little while ago uh, that just came out um, on Amazon. If anybody, again, wants to check it out, it's called The Government UFO Files, The, the Conspiracy. Oh, yes, Government UFO Files, or The Government right. UFO Secrets or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, uh, the gov- it says The Government UFO Files, The Conspiracy of Cover-Up. You're apparently looking at the book, so I'll go. I am looking at the book, yes. (laughs) What this proves is I did not pick the title. (laughs) (laughs) So who picks the title for these things, then? Usually the editor. Do they have this roulette wheel? I have never never been any good at picking titles. The best title I ever came up with is an action-adventure book I did about the war in Vietnam, and I called it Hamlet, because it took place in a little tiny ville called a Hamlet. (laughs) <laughs> oh, interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. That's funny. So I could write, I wrote Hamlet. Now, what got you into writing uh, about UFOs to begin with? I mean, uh, you know, you've served in, like you said, in Vietnam. You served in you know, the Iraq War, the first one. Uh, what, you know, got your attention uh, over to UFOs? What was I've, the first thing they did it for you? I've always been interested in UFOs, and I always blame my mother for that. 
she was interested in science fiction, and science fiction is about aliens and uh, visitation and uh, far-reaching civilizations. And, of course, UFOs is not a huge step from that, although it's more based on reality. So uh, I blame her for that, and I've been studying UFOs or reading about UFOs since I was in uh, junior high school. And, in fact, it's kind of a funny story. I was reading a book called Strangers from the Skies by Brad Steiger, and I remember reading this in uh, probably high school. And uh, now Brad Steiger is a good friend of mine, so... Uh, you know, it's kind of a small world in that respect. It, it's funny how that works. Uh, that happened to me also with a person that I grew up listening to, George Rodriguez of uh, SoFloRadio.com fame. It, one of my shows, it's simulcast on his network. Uh, he's been on AM for radio for like 30 years, and I got to meet him like four or five years ago, and now he's one of my good friends. And it's just, it blows my mind that one of the guys that I idolized growing up is a friend of mine now. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. That's that's phenomenal. Um, now the book, the government UFO files, the conspiracy of cover up. You know we're just coming off of uh, what uh, Stephen Bassett's been doing over at, at you know, at, at, with his mission with uh, the Paradigm uh, Research Group, uh, PRG, and uh, their citizens hearing and other stuff that they're doing in Washington now with the uh, the the tapes. You know all the information they're sending out to all the people in uh, Washington. Uh, you know what do you think about the disclosure movement that's been going on for the last I don't know thirty years that we're, we've you know. We've been told the disclosure, and there's been so much talk of disclosure and stuff. Um, what, do you, what, is your, what is your thoughts on disclosure? Do you think we're anywhere close to actually getting full disclosure from the government? I was a participant in the in the uh, hearings there in Washington D.C. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've often felt that disclosure is not going to come about until the aliens decide it's time to disclose, which mm. means rather than uh, keeping their distance, they land and announce their presence. I. I don't think there's any motivation for the government to disclose what they know whatsoever. Uh, and until there's such motivation, we're going to we're going to be kind of kind of locked uh, in where we are. It's just it's, it's kind of an unfortunate thing. We just cannot force them into uh, disclosure. The closest we came, I think, was in the mid 1990s, as we were doing an awful lot of work on the Roswell case, and Congressman Schiff. Um, started the GAO investigation to look at the files, but the scope of all of that was very limited and very narrow, and so it just it didn't come to fruition. And the Air Force was able to blunt it with their idiotic Project Mogul explanation for the, um, for the Roswell case. And, I mean, anybody who looks at the evidence realizes that Mogul does not sufficiently explain it, not to mention right. the fact the, the no, flight that they no. picked as the culprit in that uh, was canceled, and the documentation mm, proved yep. it was canceled. And so once we get beyond that, and we, can, we, we say, well, no matter what explanation you've offered for the Roswell case, for example, uh, there is, we, we, we've debunked all of those explanations. We're left with a single, single example, but it all sort of relates to this disclosure, and the government really has no motivation to disclose anything to us at this point. I, you know, I'm with you 100 percent on uh, on the whole uh, government not having uh, any re- reason or need to disclose. Uh, you're one of the few people though, that I've heard within the UFO community who officially would say that uh, we're not going to get disclosure until the aliens are ready to get to give us disclosure. Because you know, Steve Bassett is ho hum with this uh, with this movement to try to get disclosure to happen, and he thinks he could you know really pressure the government to to come up with or come forward with what they have. Uh, but I'm actually 
100% you know uh, agreeing with you on this one. I think it really is up to them. It really we really have no say in this thing, do we? No, and I think you know what, what Stephen Bassett's doing is is uh, wonderful as it attempts to uh, at least let the public know what's going on in the in the in the field of UFOs. So so his work in that respect is is useful, but uh, yeah, well, definitely, yeah. When we get when we get down to it, well, again, it's just what what is the motivation for the government to disclose what they know? They they right. Um, unless somebody comes forward and leaks a bunch of documents, or legitimately leaks documents that we can we have an own provenance for, and can say, yeah, these these exist, and you can go do this to to get them. And one of the better examples of that is Project Moondust. Yeah, when when Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States senator was that uh, we never had a project main, named Moondust. Well, we had the documents. You could FOIA the State Department get documents, and and in the in the government files book, as a matter of fact, I found four different cases in the Project Blue Book files that relate to Moon Dust. It says right on the the project cards are in in the context of the file. You know, this is Moon Dust related. So we right. proved that Moon Dust existed. And when that mm. when the documents were presented back to the Air Force, they said, well, we'd like to modify our last statement. Yeah, Moon Dust existed, but we never used it. Well, that's not true either. We can prove that they used it, but but it's because we had the documentation. We'd found the right links to make those sorts of claims. And and where we stand right now, we we haven't moved much beyond that. And and until we do. Or the aliens land and say, "Here we are." We're just—we're not going to be able to move <laughs> forward to disclosure. And you know, we haven't had any event since I would say Roswell, really, that's been that big of an event that could really, uh, ch- you know, change the paradigm of what's going on within the UFO community. Nothing really major has happened. Oh, since I then. disagree with that. I'm sorry. Well, I we've we've had events that, that there were good stories have come out, but nothing that's been <clears throat> as solid as, you know, as I think look, I think Roswell happened. I'm okay. 100% sold on that. You think uh, Phoenix Lights happened? Well, you know what? There there could be other explanations for the Phoenix Lights. There's really very little concrete evidence for the Phoenix Lights. I think I think what you need to look at is multiple chains of evidence. And with the Phoenix Lights, you have some photographs, and you have eyewitness testimony, so you have two chains of evidence. There was a case from Leveland, Texas, in 1957, where there were multiple chains of evidence. Not only did you have many, many eyewitnesses, you had the electromagnetic effects where they're stopping the car engines and dimming the lights, and then you have a possibility of a uh, landing trace. So you've got three, three, three chains of evidence that could be explored, but everybody, whether it was the Air Force, uh, the National Investigations Committee on uh, Aerial Phenomenon, APRO, you name the organization, you name the people. They were all so busy arguing about the number of witnesses, they didn't bother to gather the evidence. And I, I think hmm. that would have been a case that would, could have gone a long way to establishing the extraterrestrial had we been looking at it at the time. Gotcha. I, I mean, is there, other than uh, Roswell, is there any physical evidence that you could point to uh, within the last 25, 30 years that we could look at? And uh, has there been any physical evidence at all left behind by anything that is 100% legitimate? I know that Lloyd Pye and the, the you know, the Star Child's Call, I mean, that's been going on for a long time. You know, God bless his soul. He did a lot of great work with that. Uh, and, of course, Dr. Roger Lear, who we also lost, uh, God bless, for, you know, his soul also. Uh, you know, we 
lost two great men who are doing great work in their in their field with the implants and with the uh, the skull. But uh, has there been any like major earth shattering thing that we just haven't heard of yet? Do you think that's uh, out there? Well, I think I think you need to look at the history of the UFO phenomenon, and when you do that. What you find out is, rather than it beginning in 1947, the modern era in 1947 with the Kenneth Arnold signing, as you say, we, or as I explain in, in the book, uh, mm-hmm. it, it begins in the 19, early 1940 with the, what became known as the Foo Fighters. And you, right. you have ah, these yep. things going on in all theaters of World War II, but what's important, there was any number of government investigations into it, because if it was an enemy weapon system, we had to know about it right away so we could counter that system. And one of the guys who worked on that was a guy named Howard McCoy. Right. Once the war ended, you started having the ghost rocket sightings uh, in Scandinavia and then in Europe. And this was also very interesting to a lot of of people, and you see documents circulating inside the United States government about it, and one of the guys investigating that is Howard McCoy. You get to December of 1946, which is uh, six months before Arnold, and you discover that McCoy has been given orders, uh, probably came down from Twining, but through the Pentagon from, from to Twining to McCoy, and he sets up an unofficial investigation at Wright Field to investigate these aerial phenomena being seen. And then, of course, you have the Arnold sighting, and McCoy is now, his unofficial investigation becomes an official investigation. And when you look at the letter written in September of 1947 by Nathan Twining that says the phenomenon being talked about is, is, is something... Uh, is not illusionary or fictitious. It's something real, not illusionary and fictitious. And what you discover is the guy who wrote the letter for Twining's signature was Howard McCoy. So we have this long history of our government's involvement in the investigation of UFOs, but nobody's really talking about it until the Arnold sighting gets some play in the newspapers. But all this other history is kind of buried in. And and you look at a book done by... um, Keith Chester about the about uh, it's called Strange Company about the Foo Fighters. You find Howard McCoy's name surfacing there. You look at the documentation from the the uh, Ghost Rockets, including reports going from the embassy and and that sort of thing. Howard McCoy's name uh, surfaced there. So you've got this long tradition of the U.S. government looking into these strange aerial phenomenon uh, for at least seven years before Arnold shows up. Now, would you, is it fair to say though that after Project Blue Book, though, I mean, things really just uh, almost became status quo, and that's when the cover-up really just completely went full force. Well, the cover-up had been going on all along, but what you, what you look at is uh, Project Blue Book for a very short period of time was seems to be a legitimate investigation. But once Rupert left in 1952, beginning of 1953, yeah. it switches over to kind of a public relations outfit, mm-hmm. and the guys who take over are anti-alien, anti-extraterrestrial, and they're working very hard to deny that. And you get right. to the Condon Committee in 1969, and their mission, and it's spelled out in communications that we now have, we can document, and, we, and, and again, it, you know, I look at all of this in the, in the Government Files book, but the mm-hmm. Condon Committee's mission was to end Project Blue Book, end the Air right. Force investigation, say some good things about the way they handled it, say there's no threat to national security, and let that be the end of it. And so you have a university-sponsored uh, study, an Air Force 
paid for the the study of the university, but you have top-notch scientists saying, well, there's nothing to this. And everybody says, oh, well, there's nothing to this because they looked at it legitimately and, and said said that. But, but, but when you look at the documentation available, you realize it was a put-up job. That was what they were supposed to do. They were successful at that, and you still have people arguing about the legitimacy of the Condon Committee and how it proved there was nothing to uh, UFOs to be studied. And, and one of their cases, and it always cracked me up, one of the cases, they identified the phenomena as, as something, some natural phenomenon so rare it had never been seen before or since. <laughs> well, if you've got, even if it's a natural phenomenon, this would be something that you would want to study. And they say, well, there's not, nothing to see here. Move along. And, right. and everybody did. And so when we end up in these sort of discussions, the scientific committee says, well, we, we looked at it and there was nothing to it. Well, you didn't really look at it. You just bought, you were bought off by the Air Force. Yeah, pretty much. Now, the Condon uh, Committee, that report came out, what, in uh, 1969 was when they published it, right? They came, it came out in 1969, and then yep. in December of 1969, the Air Force ended Project Blue Book. Right. And that yep. was in. Now, an interesting thing that I discovered is um, looking at one of a, a UFO case, there are documents in the Project Blue Book files dated 1970 and 71. So in the months and the years after Blue Book supposedly ended, somebody's feeding information into the Blue Book files. No kidding. Uh, that I find really interesting. <laughs> and, and, that is a little shocking. You know, it's the same thing with, with, with Project Moondust. You, you get mm. people saying, well, Moondust had nothing to do with UFOs. And as I was scanning a file, I was looking for a specific file in the Blue Book files on microfilm, and, and it's, I thought I saw Moondust flash by my eyes, and I stopped and went back to this case. I found four cases in 1960 labeled Moondust. So there's your UFO connection to Moondust, not to mention that other documents specifically spell out what they're doing, what Project Moondust is supposed to be doing. Uh, their mission is to recover um, returning space debris of foreign manufacturer or unknown origin. Unknown origin, of course, is, would be extraterrestrial. But the documentation in Blue Book also points to the beginning of mm. Moondust. So I was able to pinpoint the beginning of Moondust as probably October or November of 1957, because I found a letter in the Project Blue Book files dated December 12, 1957, and they said, you're recently dis you, know, you, you have a recently created project, Moondust, to look into this stuff. So you know, all of these examinations of what's in the, in the uh, government files kind of creates a different history for what, what, what went on in the UFO field, different from what we have all believed for any number of years. Kevin, how involved do you think NASA's been over the last uh, 40 years with it's the cover-up? Uh, it's, it's got to be involved. I know that, that I think it was Jimmy Carter wanted NASA to look into UFOs, and NASA said, mm, oh, we're yep. going to do that. <laughs> and in a public arena, I can understand that completely because it would just be a, uh, the, the mess that the Air Force was in. They finally managed to extract themselves, and the Air Force, or the NASA didn't want to take that on, but, but the point is, we're talking about space flight here. NASA has got to be involved in at least parts of this of, of these studies. And I, I know that some other people, I think Leslie Keen in her book, um, looks at the, some of the NASA involvement in this. Uh, I didn't really go into depth into the NASA thing because my research took me in other other directions as I was looking at looking through all these government files. But but uh, that's another area to explore. 
You know, the NASA thing is a little bit, you know, really uh, scary when you think about it. If their connection is really deep with the whole phenomenon, and let's just say we we do find out that there is there has been a major cover up, and we do have this technology, we have back engineered, we've had it for many many years, that we know how to fly these things, and that a lot of the things that people are seeing are you know our own back engineered crafts that we've mastered how to use them and everything. Uh, I think would there be a backlash you think after a disclosure if it ever does happen with NASA because of stuff like the Challenger disaster and other disasters have happened with that technology when we have superior I don't, I don't, technology i don't think we i don't think we understand the technology that's true i, I think yeah, i think yeah. i think when you look at it it's kind of like taking uh, up, yeah. a vcr and uh, <laughs> a tv monitor back to merlin the magician yeah. and you show and you show him this black ribbon and if you know the secrets you can get pictures and sound off it but to understand it, you have to understand two things that are invisible, which is uh, uh, electricity and magnetism. There's right. no way he's going to be able to decode that until the technology is sufficiently advanced that he can learn these things. And I think the technology that that we recovered at Roswell, for example, is so far advanced, we still haven't figured it out. We're kind of still well, in that, that I, primitive stage. But let me ask you, do you, do you, th- I mean, do you think that a lot of the... Uh, the sightings that people have are legit alien aircrafts, or do you think a lot of it, I mean, it is spec engineer stuff, or maybe technology that we've created with ideas that we got from the crashes that we've recovered? I don't think we've really applied much of that technology to our, our research, because I don't think we understand okay. it. I just don't think gotcha. we understand it. I think a lot of the sightings, and this is what kind of frightening, there used to be a program on the Science Channel called Meteorite Men, Okay. And and what caught my attention is they had a lot of videotape or, or or DVD video digital digital video of meteor falls, and you look at those things and you see the objects the UF the UFOs the, the meteors breaking up, and the the they string out behind it and it looks for all the world like a cigar shaped craft with lighted windows behind it. And, I, and you're looking at that, and you say, you know, you, you catch a glimpse of this out of your eye, you see it for a second, and the mind fills in the details, and suddenly you're talking about a cigar-shaped craft. And I think that that explains an awful lot of the UFO sightings. It's something that people have seen out of the corner of their eye. They've seen it for a very short period of time. They don't get a good look at it. Right. And, and, and they think it's something alien or something extraterrestrial when it may be a natural phenomenon they just didn't get a right. look at. Well, that kind of goes actually with... Uh, well, hold the, on. When know. you say a natural phenomenon, you're talking about something that's actually part of this planet? Or are you yeah. saying well, something no, that's it, man-made? It could, even be, no, it could even be an airplane. Yeah. I, yeah. I assume they just decided to fly an airplane. That happens to me, that's time. not a natural phenomenon. Lightning's a natural well, phenomenon. Yeah. Well, yeah. It could even be lightning. Or you can say a man-made phenomenon. I remember looking up one night and seeing what I thought was, was a dome-shaped disk in the sky overhead until I heard the roar of the engines and the airplane turned just a little bit and I realized I was looking at a pattern of the navigational lights from a specific angle that gave me the impression of a domed disk. And because I heard the engines and because it didn't fly into a cloud or something, I realized what I was looking at. So that had, had that not happened, I might believe that I'd seen a domed disk at that point. Right. But the right. point is, the point is, these sorts of things. If you don't get a good look at it, if, it, if it's right. short duration, it's probably not going to be an alien spacecraft. But you look Leveland, for example. You're talking about people who saw the thing at close range mm-hmm. and on the ground, but they they see it for a minute or two minutes or five minutes. They've gotten a good look at it. It's not that kind, It's not easy easily explainable in uh, terrestrial terms. Well, how how 
how big the percentage do you think uh, is the, the percentage of uh, factual, you know, sightings uh, that are not just misidentified, air, you know, airplanes or something like that? You know, what do you think is the percentage of the actual reports? I think it's very, uh, very small. Very small, right? That's what I was thinking. I, I know that. Look, I know that uh, Project Blue Book had like what twelve thousand plus reports in there. Yeah. Mufon has. I don't. I don't know how many thousand reports they had. Uh, they had know, twelve thousand. Well, Blue Book gathered twelve thousand plus sightings. Of right. those, they said 701 were unidentified. But the problem with their statistics, and if you look at the cases, you find out 4,000 of them are labeled as insufficient data for a scientific analysis. What that means is they haven't identified it. They've merely labeled it. Because mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't want to label a, a case as unidentified because then the public goes nuts. So they, they, right. they found a way of slapping labels on them. They label cases. Yeah. They label so cases. Let's rephrase this. <laughs> so we don't get caught with our pants. Whoa, Alan, you're breaking up there, buddy. And anyway, well, we'll continue. We'll continue with Alan in a second. But go ahead. Well, I, I, you know, I, okay, it, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. Good. All right. You were saying. Yeah, what I, were you trying to say, Alan? What I was saying is, is that it's really fascinating how the government and how not even just government, but any organization tries to rephrase what they're trying to declassify as a UFO into anything as mundane as possible. I mean, I'm tired of hearing, oh, it's swamp gas. Oh, you were hallucinating. Oh, you put the tailpipe uh, garden hose into your uh, into the uh, cabin of the car and all the fumes, that's what got you to see what you thought you saw. It didn't really happen. Well, that's always been a popular excuse for the government, hasn't it? But not everybody's, uh, you know, encounter is fake, or not everybody's but, encounter but, is real. That's what we're talking be, about here. But to be fair, an awful lot of people are not familiar with what's going on in the sky around them. That's true too. And, yeah. And 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 if you're not familiar with that, uh, you can easily misidentify it. And I did when I was doing my PhD dissertation. It was uh, based on how belief structure influence and identification of an ambiguous stimuli, which means simply you saw something quickly, and how, how do you identify it from that, from that point of view? And, and the discovery seems to be that if you believed in ghosts and that sort of phenomena, then that was how you identified it. And if you believed in UFOs, that was how you identified it. So your belief mm-hmm. structure kind of plays into how you identify this, these ambiguous stimuli, lights in the night sky, for example. Right. But, but the other side of that coin is the longer the witness ha- had an opportunity to observe the object, and actually the higher the educational level of the witness, the more likely it wasn't going to be identified in any kind of terrestrial terms. So you've got some very good sightings that are of, of long duration, and by long duration would be a minute or more, uh, the witnesses got good looks at it, and they're highly educated. So in those in those cases, you know, those cases aren't easily resolvable as natural phenomena or terrestrial phenomenon. How much uh, do you think, uh, Kevin, is suggested phenomenon? Uh, and when I say that, I mean from, like, our films, TV shows, stuff that has come out in pop culture over the last 50 years to deal with the alien phenomenon and that having an influence over people seeing UFOs. You know, I remember back in uh, the 90s when the movie Independence Day opened up in theaters. I worked at, in AMC theaters back then in 1996. And when that movie came out, it was, you know, a huge opening. And when I looked at reports years later of, uh, you know, spikes in UFO activity across the world, it was ironic that on um, that week, 
there was actually a huge spike in UFO activity, meaning that people were sighting UFOs. Uh, and I, you know, I found a correlation with a lot of popular films that have come out that deal with the topic that have, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they, they're followed by what looks like a spike in people sight- having sightings. I mean, uh, how much do you think that plays a part in it also, just the actual you know, pop culture phenomenon itself? I think what pays uh, actually, actually is, is more important in that respect is uh, how the the media handles a UFO report, and if somebody reports a UFO sighting somewhere and they talk about that, you get a spike in sightings. Not because ne- there's necessarily more sightings going on, but people now know of a reporting point, so they call in and say, "Well, I saw something strange too." Whereas, had there not been the initial report, they wouldn't have called in because they wouldn't have known who to call. So I think that plays into it as well. It's, it's part of it. And you look at the UFO phenomenon, there really hasn't been, uh, I, I know after Close Encounters, supposedly, they said, well, there was a spike in sightings, but I think the data right. show that that did, really didn't happen, that the, the sightings were going on there. They claimed that the, um, the, the, the sightings at Level Land were a result of the uh, launch of the second Sputnik in November of 1957. Well, if that's the case, how come there wasn't a spike in sightings in October when the first one was launched? And, and if you take a look at the data, you find out that the level land sightings actually come just prior to the peak of the, of the sightings, but it had been building for six or seven weeks prior to that. And then after, I think it's November 6th, which is four days after the level sun sightings, they begin to drop off. And if you take a look at the, the Roswell, or the 1947 sightings, you get, you get um, Arnold's sighting, played up in the newspapers, and right. then you get an awful lot of sightings, and one, one, of the, one of the people said that, well, he'd seen something like that earlier, mm-hmm. but he didn't think anybody believed him, so he didn't tell him until the Arnold sighting was publicized. So it wasn't that it, it, was, it was creating sightings, it was giving people a reporting point for that, and then the sightings drop off suddenly on July 9th, but we know why they dropped off on July 9th, 1947. There was a story in the newspapers that said the Army and Navy moved today to stop stories of flying saucers whizzing through the atmosphere. So the government, in the guise of the Army and the, and the Navy, actually uh, began to suppress the sightings, sighting reports. They, they wanted them to stop, and so the sightings went away. If you take a look at the newspapers after July 9th, there's not nearly the number of sighting reports as you'd seen prior to that. Now, what do you make of the Lonnie Zamora incident uh, in, uh, what is it, 1964? April, April, 24th, April 24th, 1964. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, just so you know, statistically, I think April 24th is the day where there's the most UFO sightings. Yeah, why is really? It? One day's got to lead. I don't know why. <laughs> and 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 but 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 they say most sightings take place between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. And you say, well, why would that be? And well, obviously because people are outside at that time. Unless That's up yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. The, the hmm. day the day that it, and this is it used to be, and I don't know if it's changed that the day that you used to have the most sightings was Wednesday. Oh wow! I don't know why. Uh, the Zamora sighting is very good, but the, and and you, but but you have a, essentially a single witness, right. Ronnie Zamora. You have landing traces, which would be a second chain of evidence. Right. Um, so you've got some good stuff like that. But then you get the debunker crowd in there, uh, who don't really care about the facts that much, and and claiming well Zamora was fooled by this, that, and another thing. And I know Phil Class said that this guy was outside in his garden, which, which was a, you know, a thousand feet from where Zamora was supposedly, um, saw the sighting, and he didn't hear anything, and he didn't see anything. 
and you go back and look at the and the guy actually said, well, I walked over to the uh, to where this happened and I didn't see anything going on, which is preposterous because from the point of the the takeoff, it was all kinds of activity there. So clearly that wasn't true. But but you look at the original statements. Well, the guy was in his house, not out in his garden, and it was mm. and the house wasn't um, uh, a thousand feet away. It was you know nearly a mile away. So you you you've got the debunkers getting in there, kind of um, uh, throwing mud, stirring the stirring the pot so that right. the, the stuff is 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 overlooked. Um, but the Samora sighting, if there had been additional witnesses, it would be a great sighting. There were two guys from yep. Dubuque, Iowa, who supposedly there. Their story appeared in the newspaper some days later. Um, I've spent the last couple of years trying to track these guys down to see what they said because a, a UFO investigator in Iowa supposedly talked to them and said, well, their stories didn't mesh and, and he didn't believe them, so he thought they made them up, made the stories up. I'd like to talk to them today and see what they have to say. What, what, one of the things I found is, and, and you see this repeatedly, especially in the UFO photographs, is that um, if it was a teenage boy who took the photographs, uh, 20 years later, he, he admits it. You know, well, I faked that photograph, and I don't know how many right. great photographs have been ruined by the... Cause the, <laughs> the culprits come out and say, yes, I faked those. One of the exceptions, of course, is the, is the Lubbock, Texas pictures taken in 1951. But... <clears throat> You know, the, I'm still I'm still waiting for our one-armed uh, friend from Switzerland to come forward and say eh, it was all a joke. I don't. The contactees <laughs> never do that. They never they never come forward. That's true. And tell, tell us that. Their their wives come forward and say but, yeah it was, it was all fake. But the but the Samora sighting you know if these guys if I could find one of these guys and talk to it may provide a second witness to part of the sighting which would be great. So then we have not only Zamora but two other guys at a separate location seeing it. You've got the landing traces. And that sort of thing. So the Zamora sighting would be a, a great sighting. I know one of the latest things is kids at the um, New Mexico Institute of Technology or whatever the heck, uh, mining and technology or whatever the hell the name of the college there in Socorro is, uh, did it as a prank because they didn't like Zamora. And hmm. but uh, and I know there's some people who subscribe to that and, and truly believe they found the answer. But um, those guys haven't come forward to, to admit it either. So yeah. you know, you're kind of looking, looking for that hokey. sort of thing. I think I'm going to call the first uh, bat squatch of the night. <laughs> I'm beating you to that one, uh, Alan. Uh, right, you know, let's, talk about, let's talk about some of the evidence. You're talking about trace evidence. Uh, we're talking about burned vegetation, uh, soil, ground landing, impressions, stuff like that, right? Uh, metal scrap uh, scrappings also were found. Yeah, uh, not in not in Zamora. You've got you've got uh, the burned area. You've got right. um, well, you've got landing craft pods right. apparently on the ground, and you've got uh, footprints. I think there's footprints there. I, I think I, I in my mind's eye I see this picture of a footprint, but I think that's Brooksville, Florida, which is a whole different kettle of fish. But but you've got you've got stuff on the ground left behind by the craft as it took off. And so, if you had additional witnesses, it would be it would be a stronger case. Zamora clearly was telling the truth about what he'd seen. He really would have no reason to lie. I mean, the, the man was a police officer. Why would he lie? I, you know, um, I, I can point to any things. number of, of high-ranking military officers who've lied about their UFO involvement. And well, yeah, but randomly, just uh, some guy, you know, some police officer, just some random police officer, you know, coming up with a story like that, it really makes no sense. No, I, I, it, it, it's one of two things. It's either a hoax, and he had no part in it, 
right. uh, he was fooled by it, or it was alien visitation of some kind. Right. Unless it was an experimental craft from White Sands, which isn't all that far away, but there's no documentation to support that. And at this point, um, you know, they were talking about it being, it actually was a lunar lander that had gotten off the range that hmm. Zamora saw, but there's no documentation to support that. And at this point, you know, the, the lunar lander, we all know what it looks like, we all know how it worked, so there's no reason for the, the, that to be hidden anymore. So, yeah, unfortunately, that was us. And that hasn't happened either. So, you know, we're left with either a hoax or, or alien visitation, I think, in that case. That's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, what's your opinion on the actual moon landing? Uh, was it real or was it not real? How about that well, one? It was real for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call the bat squatch on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Kevin. I, look, I think we've been to the moon, and I don't think that that's even debatable at this point. Uh, but what we found on the moon, I think, is what uh, people should be talking about. Because, you know, uh, Kevin, have you seen uh, the video that's been on YouTube for the last couple of years now? And I know YouTube is not the greatest source of you know of information because you can hoax anything easily. Uh, but there's a video that's been making the rounds, the Mona Lisa alien, which was supposedly found by one of the Apollo missions on the moon. Have you seen this video? No, I have not. Oh, my goodness. It's a shame. Uh, it says part that of the... there's an Apollo 20 mission. And right. that actually uh, landed near a uh, ancient craft uh, that they pulled um, a mummified um, humanoid out of. Does this, well, the, and then, then do, does this thing come flying out of it and stick on your face? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. And, and then another <laughs> alien bursts out of your chest. And you're I'm really surprised you haven't, you haven't heard of this video. I'm going to send you a link so you can look at it. Okay. In fact, in one of, one of the parts of the clip, you could actually see the astronaut's face as the camera is panning towards the astronaut and then towards the body of the being they found. Um, I couldn't identify the astronaut myself, but you know anybody out there who's looking uh, the video up right now on YouTube, if you can, please let us know. Call us up, 786-245-8127 uh, is the call-in number. And again, we're live on Dark Matter Radio Network with our guest, Kevin D. Randall. So we'd love to hear from you. Call in and let us know if you know who that astronaut is. Because you can't see a face, Kevin. You can clearly see a face. He's flipping around a camera. Uh, there's like a, at least two cameramans in, involved. Uh, I've had people that have worked for NASA told me that the inside of what looks like the the, uh, the shuttle is very, uh, in, you know, it, it's on point with what they have uh, and what they've seen in the past, and especially in that time period in the uh, 70s. Uh, so it's in it's in line with uh, with that kind of technology. It looks uh, legitimate. It looks very legit, yeah. And the the body looks Middle Eastern, which is kind of uh, awkward, but uh, definitely not human, but very humanoid Middle Eastern kind of look, uh, which uh, is very interesting. You know, the look in India, they believe in aliens. So that's not that far fetched. Well, that's part of their that's part of their beliefs. People I, they, mostly they on YouTube, that. I watch videos of old great classic songs from the 60s. <laughs> you would love this video, though, and it's it's been around for a while. I'm surprised more people haven't uh, caught on to this thing. Uh, nobody's come forward to debunk it. It's, uh, it looks legit. Like I said, it looks like you know, it belongs well, if you If you can't really get with the NASA's provenance footage. where it came from, you've, you've, That's got, a problem. A, you've got a real problem at the beginning. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, in today's environment, with the abilities of of home cameras and home home editing bays and all of that you can do incredible stuff Oh no kidding! Well, that's today, but look, just uh, you know, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, we had the alien autopsy on Fox, which fooled millions of people. And then, Grayson Tilly said, "Oh, by the way, I was only kidding." 
uh, made the whole thing up. I, I think it's, <laughs> How do you well, feel about that? If you take a look at you take a look at um, a lot of what was written about the alien autopsy back in that time frame in, in the realms of UFO research, an awful lot of us were very suspicious of that thing, and uh, chasing down the name of the cameraman and all of this sort of thing. And, we, and once again, mm-hmm. there was no provenance for it. We couldn't get to the right. we couldn't get to the camera. Who's the cameraman? Well, I can't tell you. <laughs> you don't think the government doesn't know who it is? You know, I mean, if, if, if it was a legitimate autopsy, they're going to know exactly who was involved in it. And they're going right. to know exactly who's gonna, who was there photographing the thing. They're going to know exactly who this guy is. And he's saying this dumb thing like, well, yeah, I had this extra footage, and uh, it was highly classified, but they never came to get it, and they never found it was missing. Yeah, right, I believe that story, too. It's but, only footage of an extraterrestrial being from another planet. That's all it is. <laughs> Why but, would the government but, want but that? Santilli, Santilli uh, cleaned up on that one. Uh, yeah, he did. He made millions off that. Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think, from what I understood, that he was selling copies of the raw footage for fifty dollars. You know, sell you a videotape uh, for fifty dollars. If those of you who are younger in the audience probably don't know what videotape is, it's like a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> but he was selling the videotapes for fifty bucks a pop, and he sold at least a million copies. So there's fifty million dollars, and I think it cost him around a hundred thousand dollars to make. Yeah, you know it, it, that's the that was the uh, the budget for uh, the whole production about a hundred grand. Yeah, and and um, and I did a book called a, um, Alien Mysteries and and Cover Ups and all that, uh, which is the book that preceded Government Files. Which is available. You can get a Kindle version of it. Uh, the Kindle version of the government files isn't out yet. But in there, um, I had an opportunity to communicate with uh, Philip Mantle in in Great Britain, and he uh, he was one of those that exposed a lot of that and was able to give me photographs photographs and illustrations of how they created this whole thing. And so you know, we still have people who believe the alien autopsy is real, which just boggles my mind when you've got the guy saying, yeah, uh, we made it, and here's how we did it, and the guy who's responsible says, yeah, you know, it's kind of a hoax, and they're saying, well, a couple frames of, 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 of this fake footage is, is real footage. Yeah, I, I'm buying that. I, you got me on board. Hey. Well, you know, it's funny because there, well, there's, there's a part in the footage where you can see wreckage, and you yeah. can see faces of certain people within uh, the, uh, the, you know, the army surrounding the uh, being on the floor. Um, but it's very grainy. It's very hard to see the faces of uh, of uh, the military you, you see, you know, you, folks. You, in the England autopsy, you see nobody's face. No, not in that one. Uh, it's companion footage. If you bought the VHS, which I, I am one of the suckers that bought it back in the 90s, and I, yes, I did buy the VHS. Uh, at the very end, there's a little bit of additional footage to show some of the wreckage. Yeah. And recently, now, there's even more footage that's made its way online, which actually shows them carrying a body into... Uh, I guess it would be one of the hangars, and there's a bunch of uh, the military men around the body, and you see the cameraman trying to get a good shot, and really the being that's on the floor is the same looking being as the one in the video. I mean, there's no difference between well, them. Well, then it must be real. <laughs> it, it must be real then, right? Uh, but, I mean, it, you could see faces on that thing, which is, you know, what gets me. It's, you, you know, I mean, earlier, it, earlier you were talking about how Independence Day may have spiked UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. Right after the alien autopsy came out, because they talked about the being with the six fingers, Right, and I know Russ Estes, a friend of mine, and Bill Cohn. We were working on on a book about um, abductions, and we began looking carefully and listening to what the witnesses were saying to see if anybody started talking about six fingered beings, because here was the perfect the perfect key for it, and and that right. just never that just never developed. Really, it just never it had anybody because they had that you know the in the in the wreckage footage they had that. Um, 
sort of display where you put your fingers, and there were six, right. six finger places. Right. And the thing that cracked me up, because you had Jesse Marcel Jr. talking about this little I-beam that mm-hmm. was seen with the, with, the, with the symbology on it, and, and then you see the, the wreckage in the alien autopsy film, and it's and a you see big, the beam there. huge <laughs> beam. There's nothing like what Jesse Marcel described, and if you look at the lettering, it says video on it. Now, what oh, no are the odds <laughs> that you've got, you've got an alien writing system, communication system, and you're going to be able to make out an English word on this <laughs> I-beam? Yeah, it's stylized, but you can, it says video. And you say, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, I've never noticed <laughs> that myself. Alan, you had a question uh, for Kevin. Sorry about it. Yeah, I was actually going to throw out the question. With all the stuff that's leaked and all the stuff that's available and disclosure and everything, I'm wondering, what do you think uh, Snowden has on his hands about uh, UFOs and the government? He may not have gotten anything at all out of it. Because, you know, the stuff is very compartmentalized, and I'm not sure that he would have been able to access files that would have had this stuff in that. It may have been separated into a different computer system, it may have been. It may not even be on on a computer system, um, given the nature of it. I don't hmm. think that. I think that there's enough people out there who have pawed through the documents. Although uh, there's an awful lot of material that he did. If if something ufologically related had come up, I think we'd know about it by now. I think somebody would have found it. So uh, hmm. it just. I, I just don't think that. I don't think there was anything that he was. That I don't think he had access to anything like that. Um, he didn't have access to everything, but he had access to an awful lot of stuff. Now, actually, there's a question that we had earlier that uh, I wrote down uh, that Alan had, which was a really good one. Uh, how many people in the uh, Army and military do you think really know about the UFO reality? Uh, other than or me? actually involved in disclosing it was where I was going with it. Uh, well, other, there you other go. than me? <laughs> other than you, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I, I think at this point... Um, I think it's moved beyond military control. I don't think there's very many people in the military who have any, um, any, any real access to it. I think in 1947, because of the way it was discovered uh, at the Roswell base and the military having control of it at that point, once they moved it out of Roswell, once they got it to Wright Field, once they began the research into it, I think it moved into a whole other arena and it and the the military lost control of it. So I don't think there's much I don't think the military has much control over it and I don't think there's very many military people who who uh really know about this stuff. There may be there may be some guys in very specialized um uh duties duties I I'm thinking specifically of medical personnel maybe somebody that has some very or, or very specialized um uh, uh physics might might have access to some of this material, but I think very few military people would be involved in today's environment. Hmm. Which kind of makes uh, you know banging on Washington's door to give you disclosure kind of a, a moot point, doesn't it? Well, the president has got to know, but the president doesn't have not to necessarily. Know. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Know. He doesn't have to know, but I think the president yeah. can find out if he wants to know. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Clinton tried to find out, uh, Kevin, and uh, it didn't go too well for Clinton. I don't. Th- I, I think <laughs> if I'm the president, I can find out. I don't think you can stop me because I'm, you know, I'm your, basically your boss. And so, say say the NSA, for the lack of a better organization, let's say they control it. Right. And so I say to the the the. Um, 
director of the NSA, I want to know about this UFO stuff. He said, well, it's highly classified. I can't tell you. I said, well, you're going to tell me, tell me now or you're fired. And I'll, your deputy becomes the new director, and I'll ask him. And I'll just keep going down the line until I find somebody who will answer the question for me. You know, last president that really uh, inquired that deeply about the UFO subject was Kennedy, and uh, it didn't end too well for him. Well, I don't think that really. I don't think that really has much. I'm bat squatch on you now. <laughs> crying out, you, you got to bring guests on to call bat squatch on you. Crying in a bucket. Ah, uh, that's the first I've been called twice, bat squatch. No, but it, but Kennedy, you know, a couple of weeks before he died, did you know? The, there's a report that he was uh, snooping around and asking questions now, about UFOs report, and aliens. There's, there's a report that he was going to withdraw American forces from Vietnam. And so he was assassinated because of that. They wanted to get the United States more deeply involved in, in Vietnam. Or he, he and Bobby pissed off the mafia, so they got him. Or, or Fidel was getting even for the assassination attempts on him. Or Bay of Pigs. Um, I mean, so you can just go in any direction you want there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There, there's so many people that wanted Kennedy dead, huh? Not necessarily. So I'm just saying there's so many conspiracy theories. That, well, that's him dead. well, the reason there's so many conspiracy theories is because there's a lot of folks out there that wanted him dead. Uh, you know, what you moving off practically of, of any president. You know, true. I mean, the president, no matter who the president is, he's going to offend probably half the country. Half, country. yeah, that's true. At least half, yeah. You know, he's going to. Well, yeah, you know, Mitt Romney got 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 in trouble say, for saying something about 47 percent of the people aren't going to vote for him. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. What what party you belong to, you know, X number of people aren't going to vote for you simply because you're of the other party. They don't That's care true, what yeah. you say. They don't care what you do. They're not going to vote for you because you're not a Democrat. They're not going to vote for you because you're not a Republican. And so he was absolutely right on that. And, and so no matter who the president is, he's going to offend people. Uh, yeah. I just I just saw on online today a picture of a of, of a bullet hole in the window of the White House because they sent some guy who'd, who'd opened up on the White House with an AK. So Barack Obama apparently offended somebody immensely, and the guy was so dumb he's going to shoot up the White House like that's going to do any good. That guy has been <laughs> offending. He's been offending people since he became before he became president. But but they were just they were just offended. There's no history of him really before him being president. Uh, you know, well yeah, he was no he he was uh, in Chicago for years as uh, at least four years as senator, wasn't he? Yeah, senator but Obama? they shut yeah. all the other. You know, all his but, but major point, records are sealed. Come on. But the point. No. But the point is, the point is, no matter who the president is, he's gonna he's gonna offend people. They're not gonna x amount of people. Yeah. You know, um, I remember standing in the talk in Baghdad, um, and somebody brought up President Bush getting jobs for everybody. He said, "Yeah, he got me a job. I didn't want it, but <laughs> but I got one because you know, I'm standing there in Baghdad." Yeah. And <laughs> it wasn't job, real comfortable Mr. in Bush. Baghdad. <laughs> It was hot in the summer. I mean, really, really hot. And and then, believe it or not, it got cold in the winter and rainy, and the water didn't go anywhere, so you just couldn't really drive down the road without your windshield getting all dirty. It was just terrible. Terrible. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst job ever. Thank you, Mr. Bush. Well, I don't know. That was actually a pretty good job. I just didn't want it. <laughs> you, know. you have many others. Now, what do you, you know, moving on to, uh, back into UFOs here for a second. You know, Betty and Barney Hill has always been one of my favorite cases 
within the UFO community. Uh, what, what's your thought of that case? Because I mean, there's a lot there uh, for people who want to, you know, want to have people that want to look at something that has some legit info that can be documented. I think that's one of the, the few cases that really has uh, something legitimate that came out, like the star map, for example. Well, funny you should bring up the star map because we we've discovered since. Uh, Marjorie Fish did her did her experimentation on that. That a lot of the stars <clears throat> she used were not where they thought where <clears throat> uh, she thought they were. In other words, the star catalogs have changed. Oh, so some no of the stars she thought was within 50 light years or not, and she arbitrarily um, dismissed all red dwarf stars because ah, there's so I many of that. them. And and she said, well, there would be nothing circling a red dwarf star that you'd be interested in because the, the theory was that there would be no planets around red, red, red dwarfs. And I think that's been proven to be untrue. So the star map needs to be revisited is what I'm saying. You know, if you want to look at this thing, um, somebody with good computer skills, because you don't have to build the physical models that Marjorie Fish built back in the uh, uh, 70s, uh, you can do it with your computer. Somebody needs to re revisit that. But there is at least four solutions to the to the star map, um, including um, Marjorie Fish's. You know, one of them was around the Zeta one, Zeta two reticuli, which is Marjorie Fish, and there's one that um, there's one that suggested what the star map really showed was the planet alignment in the solar system at the time. There's another one that um, I think was out in the near the constellation of Hercules. So there was some discussion about exactly which uh, star field fit fit the map as well. So I. I think the the star map um, information is out of date. It, you know, at best, it's out of date and needs to be revisited. Um, so you, you you can look at it from that point of view. Um, I know that Bud Hopkins said that there was no traditional sci-fi gods and devils that would have given the idea to Barney and Betty Hill prior to their um, their experiences. But you look at a movie called Killers from Space. One of the worst science fiction movies ever made, starring Peter Graves. And what you have in that movie, which I think was 19... It was either 1954 or 1956. Peter Graves is killed in an airplane accident. He shows back up at the base. Uh, they're, they're, they're studying an atomic bomb. He shows back up at the base, and under hypnotic regression, he tells a tale of being abducted uh, by these big-eyed aliens. And he's got an unexplained scar on his chest. And and he remembers nothing consciously. So, I mean, you've got the abduction scenario laid out in this really crappy movie that I'm sure that Barney and Betty Hill never saw. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have. But, but well, I remember, I, the one thing I remember growing up, seeing it on the Late Late Show, and the thing that always got, I mean, it was Peter Graves driving down the road, and there's these big eyes staring at him, and he can't figure out what that's all about. And that was the one thing I remembered from the movie until I'd seen it later. And, and, and you, you buy a collection of science fiction films, that film is invariably on it because it is really so bad, and I think the copyright is, like, expired and nobody cares. So you can, you can put, it, put it on your collection of science fiction movies very, very cheaply. But, but the point simply is, so you've, you've, you've got um, science fiction film that, talks, that, that gives you a, a model of alien abduction, which doesn't mean that the Barney and Betty Hill got it from there. Um, so, you know, you, you, you have to look at all of that stuff. If there is an abduction phenomenon, I think it would more closely uh, resemble what Barney and Betty Hill talked about, which would be a uh, sort of a target of opportunity thing as opposed to as it's developed recently. And I, and I blame myself for that. 
I think I'm the first one to ever report the aliens coming into the house, and it was a case in Utah in 1973, and I reported it in the Saga's UFO report, I think, in 1976 is when the article came out. And it's the first, I, the first time anybody had reported aliens being in the house and dragging the people out to, to the flying saucer. So that, since that time, others have said, well, that was what happened to me prior to that. But I think that's the first time you can find it being actually reported anywhere. That's not the one that was videotaped, was it? Pardon me? Was that the one that was videotaped by the family? Um, no, 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 no. No. Okay, so it's not that one. Okay. Uh, this would have been, let's see, 70, 73 is when it happened, and videotape was just begin. Was we? It was seventy three. No, I think seventy three is too early for videotape to be really explode. I think it was, was. When did videotape really explode on the scene? Was it in the nineteen eighties? Well, yeah, it was in the uh, early mid eighties around there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, no, no. Uh, the, the, but it was, well, it, I'm talking about the McPherson tapes, by the way. I'm sure you're familiar oh, with that okay. case. No, this was this was the um, uh, Pat Pat Roach in uh, Gotcha in uh, near, near Provo, Utah, and it's, she said she, two of her daughters, and I think two of her sons were taken on board the craft. Uh, the problem with the case is James Harder was the guy that helped me with the investigation, and he thoroughly contaminated the witnesses before we got a good chance to interview them. Okay, now here's an interesting question then that I'm going to throw out as we're talking about all the science fiction movies, if that's okay. With all the science fiction movies that have been made and done out there, with the information and knowledge that you have, is there any movies that are true to information that might be locked away in some of the files and some of the stories that are out there? We did a movie called Roswell for Showtime, and I said we... Uh, Don, it was based on the book that Don Schmidt and I had done, mm-hmm. and both of us were on the sets at various times as technical advisors, and they tried to follow the story as closely as they possibly could, given the fictional construct of the of the film. And at one point on the on the set, I had mentioned to the director because he said, "You know, if there's something wrong, let me know." And I mentioned mentioned something some minor military protocol thing to the director. And he said, well, okay, thank you, but you have to remember we're making a movie and not a documentary. So there may be elements uh, that coincidentally match the UFO phenomenon. There are movies that were made specifically. uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucer springs to mind, which was supposedly based on Don Quixote's book, Hmm. but it's, it's, it really has nothing to do with Quixote's book or anything else, but it's a fun movie. Um, <clears throat> I always thought the, uh, the 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 show that lasted one season, Dark Skies, was uh, possibly the you know something that could conceivably have happened in reality, something very close to that. What do you think of that show? I watched the first one and really couldn't get into it. Oh, really? You know that it remember that was a long time ago. That came out in the nineties. That was killed because of the X Files was so popular back then. Uh, but it was really a great series. If you get through the first couple episodes, it'll hook you right in. It only lasted one season. So. Yeah, I I didn't watch that. I uh, I did I did get the um, uh, surface, which was the NBC thing that came out. It lasted for most of the season, which was kind of interesting. And and I got the DVDs for Invasion because they were really cheap, which was the CBS thing that came out at the same time. But I I haven't been able to get through it. I just you know I tried to force myself to watch it. I just can't get into the the thing. It just really wasn't very well made. 
wasn't very mm. interesting. And apparently everybody in that thing was an alien, so it's... <laughs> well, also, by the way, for the listeners, not to be confused with the movie that came out last year called Dark Skies. This is a different, yes. Um, yes. A different thing altogether. This is uh, the one uh, created by uh, Bryce Sable. I think I and, think the uh, science fiction movie that most closely resembles you know, the UFO phenomenon would be Ender's Game. <laughs> I just I just said that because you love that movie. <laughs> yes, I, I like the book a lot better. But I just thought I'd bring that up to see if I could inspire enough people to buy the DVD that maybe or. <clears throat> or watch it on uh, on demand that maybe they would make a sequel to it. It is a great movie. I would love to see a sequel to that movie also. Uh, by the way, we have to uh, go to a quick commercial break here. Uh, we, you are listening to Skywatchers Radio. We do have Mr. Kevin D. Randall on. Uh, Kevin, you're going to be with us for the next half hour when we come back from break? Sure. How long do we have? Uh, we have uh, well another 30 minutes after we return from no, the break. No, I mean, how long is the break? Oh, three minutes. Oh, then I have plenty of time to get a drink of water. Yeah, oh, plenty badly. of time. <clears throat> plenty, plenty of time. Well, uh, in fact, uh, go ahead and do that. We're going to come back, uh, everybody on Skywatchers Radio. Please, uh, if you uh, if you're with us on the uh, on the other side of the break, call in if you want to ask uh, Kevin anything. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. You're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. We'll be right back. All systems are functional. Who's your favorite superhero? My name is Steve Yunus from supermanhomepage.com And now I'm a voice inside the jackal's head And who makes them look that cool? Hey, this is Mark McKenna here I'm a comic book artist for 25 years for Marvel and DC Comics And I'm a voice inside the jackal's head Only on PSN Radio Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Join the club that gives you stuff. Hey, thanks! Radio Loyalty. Here's how it works. Just click on the Radio Loyalty banner right now and sign up. Then, you keep on listening like you already do. But now, you earn points. Those points add up, and you can trade them in for stuff in the Radio Loyalty store. Earn more points by sharing your station with friends on Facebook and Twitter, answering surveys, and by using the apps in the new Players App Store. Pretty simple, right? Radio Loyalty. Click that banner to join now. Welcome back, everybody, to Skywatchers Radio again, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. And now we're sitting with Mr. Kevin D. Randall, and uh, we're talking about UFOs, conspiracies, and the last 50, 60, 70 years of cover-ups that we've had, and the government's involvement. Also, his book, which I want everybody to check out. Please go to Amazon and, and get this book. Uh, Kevin, uh, the book is available uh, for you know paperback, but it's going to be available for uh, Kindle pretty soon. I suspect that they're waiting on the Kindle. Because that's how I read my books, man. I'm going to be honest with you. That's I, how well, I read I, everything. I do the same thing. You know, I didn't think I'd ever want to read a book on an electronic device, and uh, I bought one off Amazon on the Kindle, and uh, and it's just a great way to do it because, A, they're cheaper, and, and, <laughs> and, B, you can take it wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I suspect that the book will be available on Kindle... Uh, the official re- release date is May, May like May 14th, and I suspect that's when the Kindle version will appear. But the paperback version is out, and the publisher told me that they would they had called the various distributors and warehouses and said go ahead and release the book into the bookstores. So uh, it's it should be in bookstores <clears throat> by the end by the middle of the month, and it'll be probably another six weeks before uh, we see it on Kindle. Very cool. But if you guys want to pick up the paperback, it is available. Uh, go to Amazon.com right now and look up the government UFO files, The Conspiracy of Cover-Up. Again, a name that Kevin D. Randall had nothing to do with picking. <laughs> but, but, nothing. And I'll try to remember what it is. <laughs> now, when we're on break, we're talking about uh, ancient astronauts and uh, our, the, you know, the very, very popular show that's on TV. Um, that we talked about. Uh, have you know you have been on that show? Uh, what's your theory on, or what's your thoughts on the ancient astronaut theory? Well, this allows me to promote another one of my books, the Alien Mysteries book, that just which doesn't have have a Kindle version on uh, on Amazon right now. And I look at uh, sightings beginning um, many, 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 many years ago, twelve thousand uh-huh. years ago. The the Dopa Stones, for example, I, I, I look at those as ancient astronauts. I wanted to do something with Baghdad. Uh, which was Ezekiel and his wheel, simply because I'd been, I, I'm not Baghdad, but uh, Babylon, 
because I'd been to Babylon and I had lots of pictures. <laughs> I, I, can give the, I can give the editor pictures of Babylon that I took myself personally. But uh, I, I, I looked an awful lot of those cases and those, those um, sightings, and the thing that, that concerned me about a lot of this uh, is their, our, our, our ancestors' um, lack of understanding of what was going on in the atmosphere around them, so that if they saw a meteor, a bolide, for example, they, they would classify, well, here's this flaming uh, a spear drawn across the sky. And you think, okay, well, that could be a flying saucer of some kind, but it also could be a meteorite. And they didn't understand those sorts of things. So you have to, when you look at those sorts of things, you have to look at them very, very carefully. Uh, when you start postulating that the structures that the ancient astronaut theorists point to, uh, I don't. I just don't see anything that would be outside the capability of the um, the, the the people alive at that time to do. If right. they really set their minds to like it. Like Puma Pumku was the one that really stood out to me, and I'm like, really? Because I saw you know a documentary with Michael Heiser who completely debunked them and and kind of like proves that they you know we could have done that back then. Well, I, I, and the thing the thing I look at is you you've come from outer space. So clearly you've got some kind of metallurgy because I'm sure you're not flying around in stone spaceships. Right. And you, you come yeah. to Earth, and the only building material you can find is stone. You, More rocks, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't teach these people some metallurgy. Right. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And, and it, you would look at, you look at um, their astronomy. They, they knew about the planets you can see with the unaided eye, but they didn't know about the stuff beyond that, and you would think that they, there would have been some hints about that. And yeah, I know if you look at the Egyptian hieroglyphics, there's one thing that looks an awful lot like a, uh, a light bulb with a filament in it. Right. But it's also explainable in the mythology of the Egyptians of what it was. And right. so, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm very ambivalent. I think the evidence for ancient astronauts... Would there have been visitation back then? I don't know. I, I, I would say if I'm a spacefaring race and I find a planet that's got life on it and I show up, say, 15,000 years ago and it's all very primitive, I might not be interested in coming back for a while. Right. If it I'm, makes no sense. But, yeah. but on, the other side, on the other hand, if I, if I show up, say, 2,000 years ago, well, I see civilization. I don't see much industrialization, but I see civilization and I see... Uh, evidences of intelligence, well, I might be inclined to come back more often. If I show up in 1940 and I see that we are experimenting with rockets, you know, Goddard in, coincidentally, Roswell, New Mexico, um, I see industrialization, I see advanced civilization confined to the planet, but beginning to take the steps into space, I might be inclined to show up more often to take a look around. So you know, I, I you know, I look at all of that, but but I, I look at the evidence for the ancient astronaut stuff, and I just don't find it to be that persuasive. The Dopa stones uh, are are really problematic. Uh, you know, I, it, the, the the theories about it when you when you try to trace down the the academics who were involved supposedly in the research into these things. Uh, the, the trail goes cold. You can't find anything about them. There's no there's no papers that they wrote. You cannot find those sorts of things. And right. Without that, you know, you you got to got to say, well, but, you know, that's that's very problematic. 
And I think when we do any UFO research, whether it's that or we're looking at modern sightings, we're looking at documentation like MJ-12, whatever, uh, we've got to be very problematic in how we advance there. And if we cannot take these things uh, to their original source, then we've got to be very careful about what we say to them, because if we endorse these things and they blow up, the alien autopsy is a perfect example. If we endorse this, it's, yeah, here's absolute proof that aliens have been visiting, and the next thing we know, we've got Ray Santelli saying, well, I invented this whole thing, and here's how we did it. Well, that really undercuts our credibility and takes away from the legitimate areas of, of uh, ufological research. Kevin, I'm going to admit live on air that I actually had a party uh, during the week that the alien autopsy video aired on Fox just to have all my friends over and be like, see, aliens are real, look! And we all looked at it and dissected it, and we all fell for that thing, man. I can imagine how many people uh, worldwide had similar reactions that I had. I mean, they just fooled everybody. Well, if you did. watched it closely, you would have seen me on that on that uh, alien autopsy. <laughs> yeah. But the thing was, yeah. but the thing is, the Wait way a minute, that was you on the table? No, 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 but he is in there. They, they, um, the way they cut my answers in, it made it sound like I was more, uh, more positive about the reality of it than I actually was. I was very negative when we, when, when we did the, uh, when we did the interviews. So the, the editing of that wasn't quite as uh, fair as it could have been, credible as it could have been. They, they, uh, they were going for one thing, and, and that was that the, the autopsy, alien autopsy, was real. Well, Kevin, when you when you went into that thing and you were you know doing your part in there, I mean, did you have a whiff of this being a hoax at all? Did I mean, did, what, how, how much did you know about what you were looking I, at? I I saw the thing uh, probably before uh, well before an awful lot of people in the country did. I, and the uh, the the guys from Channel Four in England, Channel Four being you know like like a a, a, a national channel in Great Britain uh, had brought it over. So I saw the tent footage, okay. which was really horrid, and then I saw the, the footage of the um, wreckage as well, which just cracked me up, especially when I saw the video on there. With the autopsy stuff, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff in there that I could look at with a critical eye because I'm not trained as a pathologist and say this is wrong and that's wrong, but a couple of friends of mine could. And one of them said that it reminded him of a dress set, meaning this is the kind of thing you'd expect mm. um, in a science fiction movie as opposed mm. to a real uh, 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 morgue or operating theater. And, and that the, the um, guys who were doing the, um, the autopsy weren't as skilled as they could be. And the one thing that I noticed is they seem to be very cavalier in their treatment of it. You know, they, they, they cut the thing open and they're pouring, pulling organs out and that sort of thing. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, shouldn't this autopsy take like two weeks to do? Because At least, you, yeah. Once you make an incision, aren't you going to fo- make a great photographic record of that before you start pulling crap out? And, and they peel these lenses off the eyes, like, well, we know exactly what those are. They don't belong there, and they peel them off. And so they were, they were, it was very problematic that way. You know, well, one answer for that, though, would be, um, you know, they had more than one body. So this is just one of you know, several autopsies that they conducted. So, I mean, that would be kind of a way to answer that, wouldn't it? I don't think so, because you yeah. don't know that the... We, meaning uh, here on Earth believed that the Neanderthal was a hunched-over, 
brute-like creature, and that was based on the skeletal remains of a single individual that happened to have been, now we know, uh, had been hunched over because of arthritis. He had very bad arthritis. <laughs> so you've got an alien creature, and even if there is another one or another three available, you don't know, you don't have any baseline yet. And so the first one you look at may be deformed in some fashion that we don't understand. And so when you look at the second one, you're still going to perform the same kind of careful autopsy to make sure everything agrees with what you saw on the first one. That makes sense. It's like not every two earthlings are the same when you dissect them. No, I mean, you've got, sense, you've yeah. got people with six fingers. You've got, you've got... Well, you don't have that many people with six fingers anymore. Uh, during the Middle Ages, uh, anybody who ended up with six fingers was a sign of the devil, and they pretty much killed them off. Yeah, what's but, what's, but point, it's called polydactylate, right? Having, yeah, uh, but, the point, but the point simply is, you know, we have, we have people who vary greatly. Well, the, mm. other, the other thing is, let us say we were going to put a representation of Earth people on a flying saucer and fly it to another planet. You could start out with a pygmy and a Watusi, and you've got two, two perfectly normal human beings that are, are, are radically different in their sizes. And then right. put, a, put a Swede on there with her long blonde hair and her blue eyes and her, and her really white skin, and now you've got a really, another great variation. Or, or, you know, or, or put someone from, with an Asian descent on there. You've got, again, another great variation of what the humans look like. So you, you put those four people on a, on, a, on a spacecraft and send them somewhere, and now you cannot really draw any great baseline of what a human looks like. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that, that, all right. My, my argument is uh, moot. Bat <laughs> squatch on myself on that one. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, you know, looking at the book here, it, you know, what is the most controversial or the most um, shocking uh, discovery that you wrote about in the uh, in the book, The Government UFO Files, Conspiracy of Cover-Up? Like, what's the one uh, thing that really stood out to you when you were writing this book? That the investigation uh, 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 predates the Arnold sighting. Mm. That we look at the history of UFOs, and we all have talked about it, Begins the modern era begins on June 24, 1947, with Colonel Arnold made a sighting. That is simply untrue. The thing starts, the modern era starts in 1940 with the, with the and they didn't call them Foo Fighters, and they didn't call them Foo Fighters until 1944. But those sightings that took place during World War II, and remember, World War II began in 1938 in Europe, and actually in 1932 in, in Asia when Japan inv invaded Manchuria. But, but so you, you've got this thing going on. So it, it predates that, and you can link it with a single guy, Howard McCoy. I think that's one of the yep. radical things that I have found out, and that they had an unofficial investigation of UFOs that began in December of 1946. And, and you look at that, and you say, wow, uh, they, they knew more about what was going on um, than they were letting on. <laughs> And, no kidding. And, and, and I think they were confused about it right up until the Roswell case. And, and you look at that, and on July 8th, they say, well, we got one. It's, we got a flying saucer. And the next day, they say, or three hours later, they say, no, we didn't. It was a weather balloon. And the next day, they say, uh, we, we learned that the Army and Navy began to, to attempt to suppress the uh, stories of flying saucers. 
So, you know, we look at that early history, and I think that's one of the radical alterations I make to uh, UFO history is by looking at all of that sort of thing and saying, you know, it began a lot earlier than we thought. And, and I, I'm, you know, I'm just I'm disregarding, like, the airship of 1897. I'm, I'm regarding mm. some of the airship sightings in the early the 19th Delta century. sightings, right? I'm, I'm looking specifically at the beginning, what I think of as the beginning of the modern era, and I think it begins in 1940, 1941, as uh, 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 that's the point it begins. Now, are you referencing the uh, the Delshop airships of the 1800s? Well, the 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 the, the, the 1897 airship, um, you know, that, that was reported over the United States in in March and April. You know, we got the big Aurora, Texas crash of April 17th, 19, 1897. Okay. And, and the one that really cracks me up is is in in the other book, the Alien Mysteries book. There was a. I had an illustration from one of the newspapers of what this thing looked like when it supposedly crashed on the fairgrounds in Waterloo, Iowa, and the and the editor working on the book found a photograph of this damn thing from, from the fairgrounds of Waterloo. It's a hoax and an admitted hoax, but it just astonished me that I never thought to go to Waterloo and say, hey, anybody got a picture of this damn thing? Because I, I had an illustration. I didn't think in the terms of pictures in 1897, but there was actually a photograph that appears in the book, and that just kind of astonished me. So, but but, but uh, you know, I, I look at the modern era beginning six years earlier than, than, we, than we thought before and, and connect it all with, with Howard McCoy looking at this stuff, and McCoy goes beyond um, 1947, I think it's in 1948, he's at a meeting and he says, you know, we wish one would crash so we would know what they are. Howard huh. McCoy's lying to those people because one yeah. had crashed. <laughs> one had crashed, yeah. Possibly even more. Somebody I mean, tells you, somebody tells you there hasn't been a crash, you yeah. don't look for it. That's true. Have you, you know, how many, um, I don't know how many people have come forward, but how many reports have you uh, seen over the years of multiple crashes at Roswell? Because I know there's been reports that two ships crashed at Roswell. No, there, there was a single craft, but it broke up. Oh, okay. And, there's, and I, I know Stan uh, believes there was a collision and one came down on the planes of right. Augustine, but, but the Barney Barnett story just does not track when you, when you, when you look at the whole thing. Um, but if you if you look at it, I, I, it looks like the thing broke up, uh, and wreckage fell in three distinct locations, um, starting with the Brazel Ranch or the Foster Ranch, if you want to be technical. Moving um, south um, southeast toward Roswell, there's three distinct sites. Kevin, do you think at this point that the government does come forward with any story that is the actual truth? Uh, you know, short from telling us that aliens did crash at Roswell, do you think we'd believe them if it wasn't aliens that really crashed at Roswell, if that was the real truth? I think if they had the proper documentation. And, and that was the problem they ran into with the, um, uh, the mogul explanation for Roswell, this, this experimental balloon. They said, well, it was so highly classified, nobody knew knew the name. He didn't even know the name. Well, that turns out not to be true because you look at the diary of one of the scientists on it. He mentions Mogul a half a dozen times in his diary, so clearly he knew the name. Right. Uh, the, 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 they say, well, it was flight number four that took off uh, on June 4th, 1947. Well, according to the diary, that flight was canceled. So it couldn't have been that. But it says, well, we, they, they flew a what they called a service flight later on, or a cluster of balloons. We know what that is, too, based on other Parts of the diary tells us what the clutch was, and it was nothing to scatter the metallic debris on the Brazel Ranch. Um, so the explanation fails on that on those points. But if the government came forward and said, "Well, this was an experimental 
say say they they tried to shoot uh, guys to the moon for some reason in a rocket off white sands a preposterous preposterous idea but let's say they thought well we can do this and it crashed in the ro- in the in, in on the Brazil ranch and we we've got three or four dead americans or whatever because of that that would be something worth the government would want to bury in in 1947 today's environment the guys responsible for that are long gone there's nobody to hold accountable and if they found some records and they had photographs and they had the records to prove it then we've got to say yeah that's yeah. the explanation but mm-hmm. they haven't ever come all they come up with was with this well it was this 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 top secret balloon well it wasn't a top secret balloon because pictures of the damn thing showed up in the newspaper two days later <laughs> on, on july 10th they showed they show a picture of a mogul array and launching the things from alamogordo so clearly right. it's not that highly classified right right no and not only that the even the test uh dummies uh argument was you know moot because of the simple fact that they weren't experimenting with those things at that time well, but see, Corso, Philip Corso explained that. That was time travel. <laughs> if, you, if you look of at him, course. if you look, he, he, did a, he, he did a follow-up to his book, uh, uh, you know, Day After Roswell. There was a follow-up that, that he wrote himself so he couldn't, couldn't blame it on Burns. And somebody put it up on the Internet. And so I was able to download a copy of it and read it. And he's explaining the the multiple crashes and the dummies because uh, the things collided and one fell in 1947 and the other one fell in 1957. Right, that's a logical answer. Well, because yeah. of the time travel aspects. <laughs> yeah. So, Even the Nazis uh, had any uh, interest in UFOs? I know that's also been a big uh, thing in, in ufology. You know, you know, the Nazis and their possible I, connection. I, I see nothing to support that conclusion at all. I, I just don't see it, and um, you know that's that's another it's another one of those things. Um, if if Hitler had a flying saucer, we'd probably all be speaking German now. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's been my argument for years when I hear people talk about that. But but it is it does make for uh, interesting story. But lines, on the so. other side of the coin, you <laughs> could say, well, yeah, but he had a jet fighter, which would have could have really torn up um, mm. our our bomber formations if he had Im- deployed it properly but he wouldn't deploy it the way it should have been used uh hitler hitler determined how the uh what the me 262 would be deployed in a combat environment and it was not the best way to use it because we really didn't have anything to to uh, uh a way to defend defend against it and yet he wouldn't deploy it in the proper numbers in the proper location so uh you know in some respects you could say hitler was our our greatest ally in winning World War II because of all the stupid mistakes he made. Yeah, it's a good thing you made them, too. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. I think there might have been some other people around him that were making those mistakes to make sure it failed. Yeah, no kidding. You know, after <laughs> Operation <laughs> Valkyrie <laughs> failed, you know, they needed to do something to, well, you know, uh, to I'm fix astonished that. there was, what, 40 attempts on his life. Yeah. You know, um, Valkyrie, I think, came closest. Um, and he, but it was a, I think it was a little bit too late because I mean it was really a um, the war the war ended what um, uh, what ten months later yeah so, so you know it, it it would have it would have stopped some of the some of the slaughter but but a great deal of it had already taken place. Hmm. Yeah, it was definitely one of the worst uh, periods and, and, and in one of the things, planet's history. One of the things we can thank Hitler for was not allowing the Panzers into Normandy. Yeah, he thought it was he thought it was a um, 
a diversion, and he wouldn't release the Panzer divisions into it, and, and allowed us to get the foothold in Normandy. Uh, so, you know, in that respect, he was—he he certainly did a great deal of service to our side. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it, I mean, I'm just glad we blew his brains out for payback. Uh, we're almost out of time, uh, yeah. Kevin. Ending in there would be, I think, a perfect spot with Hitler's death. Uh, <laughs> we're we're almost all out, all out of time. I do want to give you a minute here to uh, you know plug again uh, the website, your website, so everybody can go and uh, check your books out. Uh, again, uh, the book uh, which is out on Amazon, the government uh, UFO files. The Conspiracy of Cover-Up. That's the official title. Look it up on uh, on uh, it's Amazon. The latest, it's the latest one. It's been out for almost uh, 10 days, I think. There you go. The one the one is Alien Mysteries. That's been out for about a year. Uh, covers covers it, 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 it was sort of a brief history of the UFO. So, you know, some of the people read it. So, well, you know, it's, it's too... It didn't get into the depth that we wanted to, but it was really designed as, for someone who hasn't spent all these years studying UFOs, so it's kind of bring them into it a little bit more slowly. I also did, there's an e-book called Conversation that deals hmm. with past lives. Uh, it started out as an abduction um, scenario, and through the hypnotic regression and everything, it ended up in this bizarre um, past life regression thing that's interesting. I'm not sure I have... Where can we find that? That's, Is that that's online? an e-book, e-book on, uh, for your Kindle. Amazon? Amazon, okay, okay. ebook on on Kindle, and and there's some there's some other ebooks there's some other ebooks there's a couple of science fiction ebook novels. Um, I think Project Blue Book Exposed, which is a book that's like 20 years old, it um, there's a audio version of it now. I don't even have an audio version of it, but there's, the, there's an audio version of it now. So a lot of the stuff that I did a long time ago is still appearing on Amazon. In fact, I, I mentioned this earlier that uh, I did a book called Case MJ-12, and some guy wrote a review on Amazon complaining because there was nothing new in it, and something I've never done before, I've actually responded to the review, and I said to the guy, take a look at the copyright, it's 12 years old, of course there's nothing new in it. Drop yeah, with the bucket. Like I, like I told you, you should just leave like a bunch of blank pages so you can revise every single copy that's ever printed. You know, twenty years later, well, just no, add just more out, information in there. Put out, put out a note on my blog, uh, my blog at um, the, a different perspective at uh, kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I can just you know blog posting here. Uh, copy this and paste this into the book. This is the this is the follow up now. After fifteen years, I've learned this, so put that yeah. in there. Yeah, that's yeah, wrong. <laughs> yeah, put put your link in the books and be like, just follow the website in about twenty years, and we'll get more information to you. Promise. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, but but see, Case MJ twelve doesn't talk about, for example, the um, interplanetary uh, phenomenon unit because I really hadn't looked at those documents, which I've done in the last uh, last uh, three or four uh, weeks, looking at these things and found all the problems with these documents related to MJ twelve, and I think I don't think even Sam Friedman believes these documents. And so there's there's updated material that I guess you could plug into the the end of case MJ12 if you wanted to. Man, that's what I should have said. Uh, look at my blog, clown, and you'll find the update you wish to have. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Kevin. It's always a pleasure having you on, man. And we, definitely, uh, we have to get you back on before another four years pass because it's just way too long. Has it been four uh, years? Man, it was 2010. Last time I had you on the show. Are you kidding me? That long ago? Time flies, man. Time flies. It was uh. Slow it down. Yeah. Uh, 2010, man, time flies so quickly, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Jeez, man, it was—I think it was July, uh, July 19th. 2010. I, yeah, I think I guess yeah. it was when uh, Crash, when UFOs fall from the sky, came out. 
Yeah, yeah, it was around that time. Yeah, That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, we definitely have to have you back on much, much sooner. It's been just and, awesome and remember, having you here. Yeah, you it's guys been a pleasure. didn't call that squatch on me. That's <laughs> yeah, we right. didn't. That's right. We didn't call oh, that on I you. called it three times. <laughs> and I called it on myself. That's yeah. how bad it was of a night for me. Jeez. <laughs> guys, uh, thank you for listening in. This is uh, Skywatchers Radio. Please tune back in next week. Well, we're going to have another exciting guest uh, for you guys to listen to, and hopefully we'll you know, get you to participate with the guest and call in. So many people listening, and uh, it's weird. We, you know, the, the, It's hard to get people to call into these shows, but uh, you know, we love uh, having you guys call in, so please do that. Uh, we'll be back next week, like I said, with another great, great guest. Guess what we're going to have on next week? Tell Me? us. Tell us. Alejandro Rojas and Jason McClellan from Open Minds are going to be with Ooh. us. Tell, tell them I said hi. I, I definitely will. You got my word on, on that. Guys, see you next week. For Keith Rowland, for Dark Matter Radio Network, for PSN Radio, I am Angel. That's Alan, and this is Skywatchers Radio. Have yourself a wonderful evening. Good night. Take care, everybody.